Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, and Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Michael Kamleitner, uh, CEO and founder of Walt.io, um, an all-in-one social wall solution that allows you to collect, curate, and display content in an easy-to-customize feed and uh, SWO.io, a central one-stop inbox for your social community management, both very profitable, completely bootstrapped, and, well, it's really fascinating how you're growing both. So really excited to learn about it. Hi, Anna. Hi, everyone in the SaaS Unbound community. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Sure. Thank you for joining. So I guess first things first, uh, let's start a little bit with your with your background and how it led to both companies. You know, how what what got you so inspired that you thought you wanted to build this? Yeah, sure. Let's go back in history a little bit. So uh, I originally uh, have been working as a software developer like 15 years ago uh, as a web developer. So have sort of technical background, although uh, in the pre in the last few years, I'm not that hands on anymore. But uh, I used to be a programmer myself. And uh, around, I think it was 2000, 2008, I got super uh, excited about uh, the upcoming new uh, social media platforms back then. So uh, in 2008, for example, uh, Facebook first uh, announced and published their first API, which uh, suddenly made it possible for for a small little web developer like myself uh, to build uh, to build uh, funny little apps and put it uh, uh, on the facebook.com uh, application or, or, or domain. So uh, I found that super interesting and it also was a good fit for me since I've always been like uh, on the intersection between engineering and, and marketing. So I dove into that topic and started to build uh, small little Facebook marketing apps. Uh, now, in hindsight, you would say probably quite uh, quite absurd and stupid little apps, like things like bringing your live radio stream into your Facebook page or countless little competition apps and photo challenges. But uh, it was a very exciting time. And we were, I was one of the first uh, here in Austria and in Germany as well to build these apps. So when we saw that social media uh, became a thing or a business thing, and uh, I founded a small little boutique software agency. And we were doing just that, uh, building marketing apps on top of Facebook, but also other platforms, which probably most of the audience can't uh, remember anymore, like MySpace or in Germany, StudiVZ, if mm. anyone, uh, anyone uh, remembers. Those. So that was the first step. Life. Oh, yeah, 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 wow. exactly. Yeah, like in the very early early years, MySpace even had an API and also the German platform Xing, which is, of course, now mostly made obsolete by LinkedIn. But back in the day, we had quite a, a range of social media platforms allowing brands and companies to put their applications uh, on top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's exciting. So uh, when did you decide that people just want to bring everything together and brag about their uh, live or <laughs> well in terms of you know b2b brag about the way people talk about their product on the internet yeah so that, well that sort of was a slow process that like i said in 2008 2009 when we started doing social media apps there was no business because uh, there was almost nobody no brand no company aware of the possibilities and it only slowly became a business and what happened next is that uh out of that agency context, uh, we learned 
straight from our agency customers, we got the product ideas. And I specifically, our first product, Swat.io, uh, was born directly out of customer needs. So we saw that companies or bigger brands suddenly face a certain volume of uh, of, uh, of conversations and interactions on social media, which they had to manage. That's when we came up with this inbox concept. So, mm -hmm. so we invented the social media inbox that, uh, that collected all the private messages, the comments that you received on the various social media channel channels and presented them in one unified social media inbox, which you could then together with your team work through, make sure that uh, every customer, every, every fan uh, got a reply in a reasonable time. Um, so that was clearly uh, coming from uh, our agency experience. The need was there. We saw uh, we saw that we could do something about it, and of course, we were very eager to break out of the custom bespoke software world and actually productize uh, an application that had a certain potential uh, to scale. I remember back then, uh, I had a co-founder back then, Andreas, and we were like having breakfast once when we were just starting with Swat.io and we were sitting there and thinking like, ah, oh, it would be so cool. Uh, it would be so cool if we could have 20 or 30 customers with Swat.io that would allow us to reduce our agency work. And that was really where we started, like very, very humble and baby down steps. to earth, baby steps. Nowadays, of course, Swat.io has... Uh, like several hundred customers almost uh, we are we're yeah we are getting at the point where we are uh, counting customers in four digits so uh that already shows you where we started and where we are today of course it was a, a wild and long journey and uh being bootstrapped of course uh, it also meant that this journey we were growing organically uh, year over year and maybe or probably took a little bit longer than if we would have uh, gone the venture funded way but uh, luckily it turned uh, turned out well in the end and uh, of course uh, same story or similar story with my second company with Walsio uh, again we have seen the need from our agency customers uh, we have seen the need that brands uh, want to know and want to collect all the buzz about them out there on social media whether it's uh, through a certain hashtag or uh, by by tracking a keyword, a certain topic, an event, for example, a trade show, uh, Walsio would then collect all those uh, social media posts and make them available to our customers for curation. And as you as you uh, so pointedly uh, said in your introduction, for curation, and then, of course, for displaying it or using it on several or different channels, websites, widgets, mobile apps, and so on. So in both cases, both products, uh, I wouldn't claim we had like this super cool a great idea on our own, but we really learned from our agency customers what is a need, what is a place and niche that we could fill with a with a potentially scalable product. That's uh, that's how we approach that. Right. Okay. Super cool. And I guess the revenue that you were making with the agency uh, was something that you used to to build a product in the first place, and then slowly, because you were bootstrapping, you focused on the revenue, and well. How long did it take for you to become profitable? How long did it take you to forget about the agency world? Yeah, uh, uh, way too long is the short answer. And that's probably also because uh, because of my personal nature of being relatively, uh, relatively risk averse. So we really phased out the agency business quite slowly. I would say like one or at least one, almost two years, I guess, would have been the time span where we 
at one point stopped taking on new agency customers and then really phased out the agency revenue while slowly ramping up first Swadio and then then a few de- one or two years later the Walzio revenue. I would say it took about two years. Of course, in hindsight, I can only. Well, I'm super, super blessed and lucky that it worked out, uh, not just one time with one company, but even two companies. I'm, of course, aware that yeah. this is not uh, not to be given. And I think at this point, of course, also very, very important to point out that this uh, in both like SaaS is a team sport. And of course, uh, doing that and, and succeeding two times was, of course, only possible because uh, I was lucky enough to work with the right people and with some of them still working after more than 10 years. So that is something that's, of course, very important to to mention. Absolutely. That's great. And well, with your type of products uh, and with the dependability on other platforms, it's just incredible that it really worked out because, you know, Cambridge Analytica and then, you know, the Twitter changing <laughs> its its pricing. It's just because like, I was talking to, to some other founders that had, have, the same dependability on on the social media platforms and they were talking about it and it's like blow after blow after blow so <laughs> how yeah how do you build up that kind of resilience and how do you <laughs> how do you just like justify <laughs> for yourself like this this kind of yeah, yeah. Need to fight all the time Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, So first of all, if I would ever found another company, another product, I swear to God and to myself and to you and the audience, it will not be a social media based uh, based product anymore. So I will definitely learn the lesson here. Uh, You are right. Of course, uh, of course, it's a constant up and down. Truth be told, from the get go, when we started to build our products, uh, friends, people, business acquaintances, they have always said like, oh, but what happens if Facebook closes down their API or what happens if Mm -hmm. Instagram uh, creates their own competing product. So the dependence and the risk, of course, was always present and we were not completely naive to that. It was like a trade-off to make, built on top of these uh, these super growing platforms. It comes at the price and the price is a dependency and sometimes a lot of gray hair, stress and uh, and busy times. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned the Cambridge Analytica scandal when suddenly uh, Facebook, I think, I don't know, they, they, they closed down a range of their APIs overnight without any warning, which of course brings you, uh, give, uh, puts you in a very difficult place when communicating and explaining uh, to your customers. That was probably the lowest point in the last 10 years, only surpassed by, uh, by this year's surprise when, uh, when uh, Elon Musk introduced their uh, Twitter now it's X uh, uh, enterprise yeah. API fees earlier this year. So uh, the resilience, yes, we had a long time. We had 10 years to develop that resilience. And uh, on the bright side, I think it's also partly what we are offering our customers to be the ones responsible to adapt very quickly to these changes, to be the first product among our competitors to uh, to adapt new APIs or API changes, to provide a stable service on top of these APIs, although it's difficult. So yes, it's challenging, uh, but I think it's also in our core DNA to excel here and make it like something positive towards uh, towards our customers. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we'll talk about communicating that with your customer and and just customer communication. But over the years, because, well, of course, like you kind of predict things like Cambridge Analytica and Twitter. Well, Elon just like thought he's a way smaller company. So he could just spin it around overnight. But 
have you maybe developed, I don't know, a gut feeling that, that helps you predict some kind of changes, you know, maybe uh, look for trends that could mean a big change in, in the industry, in social media, where it's going? I don't know. How about threads? I mean, are you working with it? Is it already dead? No one knows. No one has heard about it. Um, so, yeah. What do you do? Is there a magic gut feeling that you have now? Uh, well, I wish there was a magic answer or, or solution to that, to that it is, in fact, a lot of gut feeling. And of course, uh, being in the social media industry and space for almost 15 years, uh, I feel quite comfortable trusting my and my team's gut feeling uh, to not immediately jump on board of new new trends and new hype trains uh, as soon as they arrive, but uh, take a step back and, and really evaluate in your current customer base through service and as like with data uh, to, to really decide whether it's worth it. But in the end, of course, very often it's trial and error, I'll be honest with you. So, and we made our share share of mistakes here uh, here as well, especially with Wazio, where we pride ourselves to support, I think it's 14 social media platforms right now. I guess it's not a big secret that uh, I would say like the 80-20 rule, like 80% mm -hmm. of the volume of post or content we are processing are, are definitely definitely coming from 20% uh, of those uh, of those uh, social media. So of course it's a, it's a, um, it, it, it's a matter of fact that a few platforms dominate and sometimes you try things and uh, it doesn't uh, turn out well. There's also sure. uh, another thing that you also have to consider watching very carefully what actually is possible that depends a lot on the apis that those platforms uh, are offering for example there's still uh, so for example new and upcoming platforms like tiktok or also snapchat to some extent still have quite limited api which also limits you in your product uh, development that has uh, also to be considered yeah but uh, to come back to your question it, it is a lot of gut feeling uh, a certain uh, uh, a certain tendency to not jump on board immediately and see how things play out. But of course, if you, you're mentioning threads, of course, we would love to to support threads very quickly, uh, or we would have loved to support threads very quickly. Unfortunately, it's A, not uh, available in Europe, B, has no API whatsoever. So it's a little bit off uh, of limits right now. And sometimes that's quite good because as you mentioned, uh, what seems super shiny and successful in the first few weeks very often crashes down uh, soon enough, which I think uh, seems to be the case uh, with threads. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the answer. Because uh, I think, yeah, there is no way to predict these things, but obviously, yeah, over the years, since you've been in the business for, for so long, maybe yeah, there is a gut feeling that you can trust at least, or have enough patience to just like step yeah. back and look at the bigger picture. And the true and the longer you are in this, uh, the more you grow your customer base. Uh, I can only repeat what I already said in the beginning. I think uh, your customers are uh, probably uh, one of the most valuable sources of information for these for these kinds of decisions. So in some cases, our customers would identify new platforms before we would see uh, how they make sense. So for example, a few years ago, I didn't personally think of TikTok as a very relevant B2B platform. I mean, personally, I'm just too old to use TikTok. I just don't get it. And I didn't really think in a B2B way of TikTok. But then suddenly we have been seeing really old school German industrial companies among our customers who suddenly start to use TikTok for uh, for recruiting. Uh, and suddenly it makes click and it makes sense, right? I mean, your your how do you reach candidates in a certain age group? Well, obviously, TikTok. 
TikTok is a good uh, is a good bet. So listening to your customers, uh, as in so many uh, questions, seems to be uh, how you almost can't go wrong. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's dig deeper into into customer communication because again, mm-hmm. I think since you're working with uh, you know companies that are heavily involved in social media they want to be there and it's kind of this yeah big and shiny thing that they like and they they rely on are there any you know specifics to to talking to this this customers because i would assume uh yeah there is a new platform hey let's do this you know it's it's super cool we want to be there we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be the first you know you have to build it or you know we turn we go to the next guy uh so how do you deal with this like waves of excitement uh from customers that want the next big thing uh and how do you explain that maybe threads are not happening even if you really want it yeah i'm coming back to what i said before and then it sounds like an excuse uh but it works works our way uh if we are facing such a hype phase and and you're right so when threads came out i don't know two months ago or something like that what happens at a company like walzo and probably also at swallow suddenly you will receive an influx of current customers who are asking for support when are you going to support threads and we are like, hey, come on, the platform launched yesterday and you're asking us when, we, when do we support threads? Uh, so first of all, chill. And what really helps us, I'm sorry, I'm joking. But what really helps us, of course, is the, the, the truth, the, 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 the fact that we can say, okay, uh, at the moment, there's just no technical way to integrate properly, no API. And that gives us some sort of time time buffer where we can do the where we can do the work, where we can do the research, where we can see, is this really a meaningful addition to our portfolio of platforms? Does it match with our current customer base? Or would it open up new customer segments? Because of course, not always it's uh, sufficient to make such decisions based on current customers. Of course, you also want to think about extension and new and new segments. So you have some time. So we win some time by these technical reasons why we can't uh, immediately uh, support. That's very helpful. It sounds like an excuse and maybe it is to some extent, but, but I stand by that. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's it's a very healthy, sustainable choice. Like just like at first look at it and, you know, understand like what everyone else is doing. Like if yeah. it's or yeah, and and I think uh, I think also many of of the brands, the, our customers, the companies uh, would be well advised to uh, to take a step back before deciding uh, jumping on a new platform because uh, what we what you can see and honestly since 
since the beginning of social media, you can see companies jumping on new channels and then abandoning them again. And you find an abandoned whatever Mastodon profile, which has three posts and then nobody takes care anymore. And five years later, it still has the old company logo and stuff like that. So even in the most biggest companies, there's always limited uh, human resources, right? Uh, uh, but especially in smaller, medium businesses where you have maybe one social media marketing manager or two sharing the, the duties, they really have to be uh, considerate about uh, how to spread their resources among different, different channels. So I think uh, I'm not going to teach them uh, how to do their decisions, but I would say sometimes it would, it's also good for them to maybe take it a little bit slower and have like a strategic approach, uh, which uh, platforms to, to have a uh, presence on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. And about teaching, I mean, I think it's super important. A lot of founders, especially if they're bootstrapping, uh, solo founders, it's a lovely journey. It can get really you know, uh, they can get into their bubble and not, you know, share any knowledge. And I know that uh, you're involved in a couple of communities where where you do that, where you support other founders uh, and you talk to each other. And that's actually uh, also something that I wanted to, to ask you about, because um, I've just attended this uh, huge tech conference, Code Talks in Hamburg, and that was one of the tracks that was there, mental health of founders, uh, just like the loneliness of the job. Uh, so how do you deal with that? Why are you, yeah, why, why have you started this community in, um, in Austria in the first place? How does it help you? And uh, what is like a, a long-term vision for it? Yeah. Oh, a lot of great points. So let me maybe refer to the loneliness or the simple fact is that I'm a solo founder. While I did found the original agency with Andreas, he left the company pretty soon. So the both SaaS products, both SaaS companies, I, I did found solo. Again, I would like to, uh, to highlight uh, the importance of having a good team, uh, whether they're co-founders or not. That's the, that's really the deal breaker. And I was blessed twice it was with uh, with both companies but i also i already said like i swear to god not a third social media company i i can give you another promise i would also if i ever should found again i would also not found solo anymore because as you as you correctly it can be lonely and it's uh, of course you will always be you, you always as a ceo you always have to uh, be the one who even darkest hours be optimistic and push your team and uh, emphasize the opportunities and not so much the risks and challenges so you have to play that role towards your team but uh, if you're a solo founder then who are you talking to about the bad things uh, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, that's absolutely. where the community comes in having like a, a network a community of similar stage founders and CEOs is something that I found uh, to be very helpful. And yes, that was one of the reasons to get involved in our local SaaS community, which uh, is called the SaaS Club Vienna, which I'm co-organizer of, unfortunately not super regular in, in the previous, uh, in the previous years since COVID. So we, I really need, or we should really ramp it up a little bit more again. Uh, but, uh, it started, uh, really like a very informal meetup of 10, 15 SaaS founders here in Vienna and and around Vienna, where uh, we got to know each other so closely that after a while, we were very open with each other, sharing uh, all the numbers and stuff like that. And that uh, that helps so much. Uh, you learn and you 
experience that most of us are going through the same issues at one point. Hopefully you will have a support group with people uh, who are also maybe a step ahead of you. Uh, so you can, uh, you can learn from that. And of course, the other way uh, around uh, helping people who maybe are just getting started. That's super important. South Club Vienna is uh, our local community. If I'm allowed to give a plug here. Uh, I would mention something, uh, a second one. Uh, I just I just need to get it off my chest. And maybe also to relate this to bootstrapping a little bit. I'm sure many of your of our listeners or your listeners have heard about the Saster conference in America. It's probably, it's definitely yeah. the biggest uh, yeah. SaaS-focused uh, company, uh, uh, conference out. And I've been there a few times uh, and I, I really love great conference, great everything, top content. But uh, as a European-based bootstrap, you go to these conferences and then you hear all the stories, 100 million funding, dozens of thousand employees, and I don't know, billion market cap, whatever. Uh, and uh, I mean, that's cool and inspiring. And sometimes you need to hear these stories, but very often I found it quite hard to relate that to my experience and to my business and really learn something meaningful that I can uh, apply. Long story short, there is luckily a very good conference uh, in Europe as well. That's the plug. Uh, it's SAS Talk, S-A-A-S-T-O-C-K. You're smiling, so you probably... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, there too. <laughs> are you well, going not there? Not me personally. Not me personally, oh. but uh, a few people from, from SAS Group are going to be there. So, you know, you have an opportunity to meet with everybody. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, I will definitely make sure of that. So SaaS Talk is a conference I've been attending. Uh, I will be attending now for the fifth time, which I think is a, 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 a testimonial enough, but not just that. We are also, I'm also trying to bring people from my team, people from other companies here in Austria. So, uh, and around the SaaS Talk brand, uh, Alex, that's the founder of SaaS Talk, also created a, a community program that's called SaaS Talk Founder Membership, which is like for founders only. And again, all, not all, uh, but many bootstrappers and, uh, and people in companies which are much more relatable in terms of the stage there are there are in uh, and uh, that just helps so much so that's 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 a big recommendation for everyone uh, the conference is in october so there's still a few weeks time tickets i guess are still available uh, if you no, are looking for out i just saw today <laughs> oh really yeah. oh Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, that's, that's bad luck for everyone, but uh, maybe yeah. still you can try. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's what we, we're also trying to do. Well, first of all, for our brands, obviously we're building this like knowledge hub. So to make yeah. sure everyone kind of knows what everyone else is, is going through, uh, cause there are standalone companies, but you know, sharing their knowledge and like what, what they learned elsewhere that what they learned from their customers or from other founders is so important and we also started uh doing our own events we did one in hamburg and um, <clears throat> the last one was in barcelona and also that's what everybody is sharing like it can't get lonely even with the co-founder uh right because then well it's two of you or three of you anyway you're still in your bubble so yeah knowledge sharing is absolutely great so does that help you kind of like overcome any any points of like burnout well i guess everyone is uh, different uh, different there and it changes also over the course uh, over the course of the years i mean uh 
again, I'm feeling really lucky and blessed to have, have had the chance to to create or build two uh, profitable bootstrap SaaS companies, uh, um, mostly in parallel, uh, thanks to my team. Um, but on the other hand, of course, uh, uh, there is this saying, uh, once you're lucky, uh, twice you're good. And I rephrase that to myself sometimes. And I, I think more along the lines of uh, once you're lucky, twice you're stupid. Because uh, how did I end up with two comp to run two companies at the same time, which is sort of stupid in a way, right? Uh, uh, spreading yourself too thin across two CEO roles. Uh, took me a few years to really understand and realize that. Luckily, I then was able to uh, to get... Uh, uh, to hand over management of Swadio to to my team, uh, like uh, like right. uh, in particular my my then CEO uh, CTO uh, Johannes, who has been with me for ten plus years. So I had like great management there, which allowed me to focus on Walzio now for the last two or three years. So that was like uh, a peak, uh, a key moment for me to 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 keep my sanity. But uh, like I said, everyone is different. For some, it's uh, for some it's sports. For some, it's therapy. Therapy. Uh, I've tried all, and uh, to some sort, of, to some extent, I can also recommend trying all of those things. That's true. Yeah, we had uh, uh, there. There was a question on Code Talks uh, to David Hanemeyer Hansen, and he was like, "Sports, do sports, and that's it. It's just simple science." <laughs> and, we're like, I, and, okay. and I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot to that. Uh, uh, and, and for me, for, for yes, sports is like keep, keeping healthy as much as possible is definitely a, a key thing. Although I find that very hard to be consistent uh, on that end. Okay. Whether it's uh, healthy, healthy food or, or doing sports, it's it's not easy for for some people. Uh, but uh, keeping at it, yeah. Uh, for personally, uh, for me, structure. I'm I'm all about structure and having the most boring. If you look at my calendar, the most boring person uh, because I really have a rigid, rigid structure that helps me to to keep uh, to keep sane. But again, people are different, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm all for uh for structures and timetables otherwise you know it's it's just easy to wobble yeah. one way or the other uh yeah. but <clears throat> i guess i guess i guess one thing sorry sorry to interrupt i guess one <laughs> thing uh, uh if i've learned one 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 thing uh is don't be too uh proud or 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 whatever you want to call it uh to get an assistant uh as soon as you can afford i would say even and especially for bootstrappers i guess it's super hard to make that step right because as a bootstrapper yeah. you usually you have a certain growth trajectory which usually is not like hockey stick but more like uh, organic and that usually means uh, uh, every higher additional higher you make somehow comes as that previous profits or cash flow uh, and then you say ah do i get another sales manager no my engineering team is always uh, understaffed so let's let's hire there uh and also i can do all the admin stuff myself anyway but i think uh, there's a big leverage in 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 finding yourself a good uh, call it assistant call it whatever you want to call it uh, and, and maybe that's one learning to not be ashamed to do that maybe early uh, sooner than later uh, i did it quite late and i think i missed some some leverage here okay oh i think that's a great advice all right well but let's talk about the the fact that <clears throat> you delegated the, the second company to yeah. uh, another ceo uh and <clears throat> again first of all 
why did you choose this company to delegate? Uh, is it your favorite kid? Like, <laughs> and how did it go? Um, again, personally, because you were in control, you were the only, you know, person, yeah. the solo founder. How did the delegation go? Because you, well, yeah. you, you stay still kind of, well, I assume that, that you still take care of it and you, you offer some advice and, but you're not really there hundred percent. So how does it feel? Uh, so there's a lot to, to unpack here. Um, let's start with the first question, how to make, how did I make the decision? And, uh, of course, I uh, have to take care. Some people might be listening to this from both of my companies. So, uh, I would, sure. and, uh, so there is no favorite uh, child or anything like that. Uh, in the end, I'm a very pragmatic person. Um, and so I decided to go with Wazio for a few reasons. Swadio back then and also today was more mature, uh, quite bigger and had a obvious there was an obvious choice for a successor for the CEO role. Like I mentioned, uh, that's Johannes. So I, I knew, I, I knew Johannes for past 10 years. So there is no trust issues at all, which I guess for me would be a problem to hire like an external CEO. I couldn't even imagine that to be honest. So I was very happy that I had an obvious candidate here uh, for the CEO role. I also would like to say that personally, I feel more comfortable in the smaller company. I, I feel like I can I can provide more value in the little bit earlier stage of the company. Swadio back mm -hmm. then, it was like two or three years ago, already was like at a headcount of 30, 35, something like that. So that's when you uh, stop to have the ability to work with every team member directly. You you mostly speak to team leads or, or C-level. And with Walsio, uh, it was way smaller back then. I could uh, I could do what I like to do best, like work directly with most of my team members. So that was like more emotional reason that I feel more comfortable in a smaller company. But again, most were rational, uh, pragmatic reasons uh, that I just knew Swadio would be in, in uh, very good hands uh, uh, once I leave. And about the delegation and leaving how it is today i have uh, a quarterly workshop with my swatio management team and that is almost all my uh, involvement there's no operational involvement there is these four strategic sessions uh, each year where we where we work together otherwise i surprisingly managed to be disciplined and not involve myself i think that's uh, key very important i mean i don't didn't want to be the guy uh, shouting in from the sidelines and giving great advice uh, it's everyone knows hey, that just person around right? the corner like i'm still here uh, yeah so so sometimes uh, sometimes i'm still surprised or, or, or amazed that i was able to be so disciplined uh, i hope by the way i hope that the swallow management team uh, sees it the same way maybe i should uh, I check that uh, once with them but i think seriously i think i'm mostly doing well and be disciplined and on also it was just so clear to me that i need this focus on on Walsio that, that that was of course relatively easy to be uh, as disciplined and also uh, it took quite a long time like I said before, I tend to do things a little bit slower than other people might might do it. I think that's also a reason why I ended up bootstrapping and not fundraising. Um, and so that means the, the transition and handing over the management, the CEO role was also, I think, a two-year process, something like that, uh, where we made sure that... Uh, that all my responsibilities are handed over to the right people. We find 
any missing links in the org chart. So we had to hire another position like for financials and stuff like that. So we took our time and think uh, that paid off in the end. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Very, very sustainable, very <laughs> in line with the whole bootstrapping journey. Yeah. All right. I think, I think, yeah, that all connects somehow, right? Uh, this approach to do things a little yeah. bit slower, sustainable. Uh, I think that that matches very well with the decision uh, to bootstrap. Right. Okay. So just a couple more questions. Uh, first one is, can you share a hack that works for you? Uh, well, it, basically in anything, maybe a lot of founders lately talk about hiring, uh, like how they choose the right people for the culture that's already there because it mm -hmm. would be easier to then integrate them into the team or I don't know, sales predicting the downturns, uh, anything, mm -hmm. something that you go back mm -hmm. to and that always works for you. Let me think that I don't think there is one hack that always works. Unfortunately, most, most hacks I think have yeah. limited, uh, limited, um, Magic uh, powers, uh, life, yeah, <laughs> life cycles. And so if you think about growth, like marketing sales, my primary experience is that all these magic hacks and silver bullets, once you try them out, you see, it, yeah, maybe they work sort of, but nothing really gives you this, uh, I never had this hacker worker trick that immediately boosted uh, my sales or, or like, unfortunately, so I don't believe in that anymore. Let me think. So speaking of growth, what I found exceptionally, um, exceptionally beneficial for Walzo is to, uh, do partnership programs, uh, maybe early, sooner than later and partnership programs can be of course on the distribution side, like people reselling your products, depending on your go to market, of course, uh, that makes sense or not, but also, uh, product integrations, like making sure that, uh, that, uh, your app is connected and integrates well with, uh, with other platforms that are in a similar space, uh, building a partnership program was very crucial for our growth in the last two or three years. And it's something that I don't see as a hack, but something that I also wish I would have started a little, a little bit, a bit earlier. So that's, that's one thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay. I think, yeah, partnerships are often overlooked for, for whatever reason, uh, often, uh, perceived as a bit more complicated than, than anything else, but I think they work magic really, if you, yeah. if you crack crack the code, right. And really see like what you're a, yeah. for your partner. There's a lot to crack and learn here as well. And a lot of mistakes to make, like uh, choosing the right partners, uh, how to align, how must they be aligned? Uh, for example, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to partner with a software product with a uh, 100 euro average revenue per account when my product is 1000 uh, ARPA, because how are we, we will never be, be perceived or sold as an add-on if we are 10 times as expensive, or what if they are product led and we are sales driven, also not usually a good match. So uh, a lot to crack and learn, but, uh, but uh, again, make sense to invest in this, have the people doing this. It's also a lot of work. Partners need, uh, need to be taken care of. Uh, often they need to be motivated to do their share of uh, yeah. work. Uh, so there's a lot of involvement necessary, but again, yeah, definitely, definitely worth it. Maybe one, one, uh, maybe going back to the founding days, because, uh, I talked to a lot of aspiring SaaS bootstrappers, SaaS founders. And I'm not sure you have probably more, uh, over, uh, 
insight or uh, overview on that. I think there's a lot of people who uh, who are trying to bootstrap a SaaS out of an agency business. I feel that is something that I hear yeah. a lot. Sure. Uh, and again, I'm lucky that it worked two times for me, but I also know dozens of examples where it didn't work out. So, I mean, if someone in the audience is running a small agency business and thinking about uh, productizing, uh, I would just uh, I would just advise them to be extremely disciplined by dedicating or maybe even like separating uh, the resources, the human resources. Like what we did is when we phased out the agency business, I basically said like, okay, these two developers, they are forbidden to work on agency projects. Uh, never, ever can that happen. There must be a firewall uh, because, of course, the short-term revenue is always tempting. Uh, and uh, what happens then is that, of course, uh, your your SaaS product is uh, is on pause and nothing nothing gets done. So if you're planning to do something like this, please make sure that uh, you have dedicated and uh, exp yeah, uh, resources, uh, uh, people building the SaaS product, not the customer projects. Okay, I think that's a good one. Yeah, because it it sounds very romantic to like uh, productize something and just like make money in your sleep, but then it's just so much structure that is required there. And I know a few stories where people would go back, you know, because being in 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 the agency in the service business just offers you a lot more freedom. So yeah, and I mean that's a yeah. yeah. And of course, there's nothing wrong with uh, with an agency business, but I think uh, for me, it was clear that the agency business is a means to an end and uh, I wanted to build something more scalable and most, just more more interesting to me. And uh, and it would be super frustrating if you invest a few years and then uh, because you didn't uh, dedicate enough resources to your product idea, have to, uh, have to discontinue this and go back to being a full-time uh, agency. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the last question is the usual question. Everyone gets it. What's so far the biggest win and the biggest failure? If it, they, there might not be a failure, might be a challenge, right? But yeah, maybe for you personally or for a company. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm most, if you want to use the word uh, proud of, or what I think was my biggest yeah. uh, uh, achievement in the last few years was definitely uh having the guts to uh first of all separate and spin out both companies uh, because back then we used to be in one legal entity which came with a its own its own uh, <laughs> its own uh, bunch of problems so separating the business and then handing over the management of Swadio and discipline about it i think that is my personal biggest win of the last uh, few years and yeah uh, i've already talked about it uh, enough but i think that was uh, that was really super important for me again i'm blessed that i wouldn't be able to to think uh, about a big fail but in hindsight and again my nature is probably more uh, uh, risk averse and then take it slow and make sure etc but i wish i would have made some decisions quicker and sooner um um, whether it's hiring that next employee uh, or maybe even going quicker from agency to product. So I, I, that's not a big fail and maybe it's just the way I am and I'm not complaining. Uh, it's all good. But uh, but that would maybe be something in the second attempt or in the in in second uh, round. Oh, and uh, you, you mentioned recruiting You have, when you were asking for, for hacks and recruiting. Uh, 
I did. I think there was one uh, one situation where so everyone. So first of all, I have to uh, point out that I was really lucky and happy to to have some very early, very very great uh, hires among my team. But what I did wrong was. And there were actually a few occasions uh, in both companies. So just to not single out uh, any particular case, there were, I made a mistake uh, more than one time, unfortunately. Whenever it was uh, about finding a new manager, new team lead, for example, for the engineering team or for the sales team, um, the tendency to, uh, to try to go the, to find a quick solution would be to try to promote from within the team, which of course has a lot of advantages. Uh, it's uh, it's faster. They have all the domain expertise. Uh, you don't have to onboard yeah. them so much, etc. But it kind of made me blind uh, to realize that maybe not everyone is actually uh, a good fit for this kind of role. Maybe maybe in one or two cases I was even pushing them to take over the job when in reality they didn't really feel like it. So that is maybe something I, a mistake that I uh, not made, not just once, but unfortunately more than one time that I uh, just uh, was looking for a quick solution and I believed in it, but I was blind to the fact that it uh, actually was not as good as a pick. Okay. All right. So you, you wanted to avert a little bit from, from your usual slower setup to to a quicker solution and then yeah so just stick to your guts huh yeah yeah okay all right well uh i mean that's great that you cannot really pinpoint any big failure and i hope it stays that way because well as far as i know you guys are steadily growing super successful it's really exciting to see what you put out there in terms of content and how you grow so yeah really excited to see what's coming next for you Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, yeah, I hope we can uh, do it again sometime. Would be would be my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to see some of your team in, in Dublin soon at SaaS Talk. And uh, shout out to all the SaaS Group founders, some of which I know personally. You're doing a great job and was happy okay. to be here. Okay. Thank you for being here and take care. Thank you, Michael. Bye. Bye, Anna. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.